connected. All right. Um, now it's working. Any anything anything to say before we get started? Oh yeah. Okay. So I I sit down on my bed to you know set up my laptop right, and I I toss my phone onto the bed, but I miss. And it smacks the back wall and slides down behind my bed, which has never happened before. Usually it bounces back, you know, because it's got a rubber case. It's got a little bit of bounce to it. It will, you know, smack back onto the bed. This time, for some reason, like I said, I hit it like flat against the wall and just slides down. And I'm like, God fucking damn it. It fell down behind my bed. So I get out of bed. You know, I pull out the bed and a fucking marble rolls out. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I look, uh, you know, I go to get my phone and I look behind there and there's like six marbles down behind my bed. I have no fucking idea how they got there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was my story. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <sighs> All right. You're listening to the Back to the TARDIS podcast, a retrospective podcast discussing every episode of the ongoing 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. Today's episode is... Season 1, Episode 6, Dalek. Hello, and welcome back to the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the show where we cover every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I'm Sky. And I'm Avery. And today we are discussing Series 1, Episode 6, Dalek, by Robert Shearman. Um, This is, as far as I know, Shearman's only episode for the revival series although he has written several big finish episodes including a story that is i believe it's a big finish story that uh it's not like this episode isn't like a complete adaptation but it inspired many parts of this episode hmm um so yeah this is the first new series appearance of the daleks and their first appearance since, God, 1988, I believe, with a actually really good Seventh Doctor episode, but uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, uh, so there, there will probably be a lot of gushing over this episode, because I think this is one of the few times we've all universally agreed, like, yes, this episode is absolutely 100%, like, fantastic. I mean, we we all had good things to say about the first two episodes. Yeah, but, like... Yeah, but, like, even <laughs> then, like, I feel like our, our ratings will be a lot similar. Yeah, we did have... We had, like, a, a point of variance even on the first episode. Yeah. But I think... I don't know. I know at least you and me agree on our rating for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the episode starts and the TARDIS materializes in this museum-y looking room. Um, they were looking, they're trying to track a uh, distress signal down and they track it to this place and they don't really know where they are. But it's this museum that's filled with all these various alien things as well as some nostalgia bait um, there's a, like, Cyberman uh, head. Yeah, yeah, classic series Mondasian Cyberman head. Um, there's actually, there's actually a Slitheine arm. Um. Well, I, I like the, uh, the Cyberman one, because he has this line where he just says, uh, the stuff of nightmares gets reduced to an exhibit, I'm getting old. Yeah. Which both sort of foreshadows the plot of the episode, and also, like, damn, you know, all these classic things, you know? Yeah. They're totally not gonna show up, you know? They're definitely dead guys. Well, technically, the Mondasian Cybermen, or at least the, the, the Prime Universe Cybermen that we're talking about in this episode, do not show up again until, I believe, uh, Capaldi's last episode. Really? So they really... 
I think they... everything after that is just the the parallel universe Cybermen, or at least the parallel universe Cybermen mixing with Prime Universe Cybermen, but like true Prime Universe ones do not show up again until Capaldi's last episode. Huh. I think Interesting. there's I think there's Mondasian Cybermen in the seven uh, B episode with the Cybermen. I believe that's which what Mondasian. episode with the Cybermen? The, uh, the episode with the Cybermen has Cybermen in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? The the one where it's like the amusement park planet and uh no that's that's the. That's specifically the parallel universe ones melded with the Mondasian one to be like something kind of new. Damn. Okay. Never mind. Uh, Jeff out. Doctor Who's me again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am an obsessive. It's a repeated fanboy. theme on this that we just sort of we like the show and then Jeff is like, well, actually. <laughs> Out Doctor Who's me to own the libs. Nice. Listen, listen, I I genuinely don't mean to be condescending. I just my brain my brain is just (laughs) I don't think either of us are mad at you. It's just funny. (laughs) No, yeah. if this was Star Wars, I'd be the obnoxious or my (laughs) definition of obnoxious one. So you're good. Yeah. Um uh, so an alarm goes off and we cut to credits, and then we cut to um, possibly the most based piece of commentary in this episode, we are introduced to Henry Van Staten, who is an American tech mogul and billionaire who is unsubtly implied to basically be running the planet. <laughs> he owns, he apparently owns the internet. He can replace the president at a whim. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I like that little bit. The, uh, so the next president, what do you think, Republican or Democrat? The guy goes, uh, Democrat, sir, for what reason? Uh, they're just so funny, sir. <laughs> and then he, he accepts that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and it's, it's like, it's, it's weird because this episode was, again, this episode came out in 2005, but it's one of those things where it's like, I can believe that there's like one billionaire running everything a lot more than I could when I watched this like any other time prior, basically. <laughs> uh, does this qualify as a boost of TV moment? <laughs> I'd say this qualifies as a based Robert Sherman moment. Ooh. Okay, but he's still the showrunner. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also like how this happens in Utah, which sets up a semi-regular trend of just bad stuff happening to the doctor in Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, generally going to the U.S. is a bad idea for the doctor. I feel like almost every episode set in the U.S., like, something genuinely bad happens. Okay. You out Doctor Who'd me there. I forgot that that one eleven episode takes place in Utah. So there you go. You 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 outdid me. <laughs> me one Jeff ninety eight. We're getting you got there. me. We got him, boys. I also um, want to say that the uh, the whole you know choosing which which president is going to be the next one thing. It reminds me of this. Uh, so for a little bit, Dilbert had a cartoon that was amazing but got canceled after one season and there's an episode where like a few of the characters do like they decide who the president's going to be and there's like this whole episode where they like do all the votes and then they're just like okay the people have voted for this one and then they all laugh and say okay who's it actually gonna be (laughs) yeah no it's there is like it's yeah it's it's really kind of (laughs) disturbing how much more believable this is now yeah yeah um especially oh yeah like especially the owning the internet thing that's just more of a it's a, a ridiculous gag there but you know now with tech and even use. even yeah and even now rose is like wait that's bullshit that can't be like that and he's like that's what they want you to believe <laughs> <laughs> rose he's like, yeah let's keep it that way yeah um so yeah and they they it's weird because like they do this they they kind of hold off actually like showing what the and i think part i guess part of this is because it is a revamped design compared to the the classic stuff but they avoid showing like 
what the Dalek looks like until Nine actually gets in the room with it. And yeah, they're straight up torturing this alien. Uh, Henry Van Staten, more like Henry Van violating the Geneva Convention. Oh, got him. Based. <laughs> uh, so I, I like how... I think in some ways, like, he actually gets himself into trouble here where the doctor's like, no, no, look, look, like, uh, Van Staten has this object that he's not sure what it was, is, and the doctor's like, no, I'll show you, look, it's a musical instrument, look at this. (laughs) So the fact that he's, like, making himself apparently obvious that, like, he's pretty clearly not from around here is... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's... Some of that is, like, because plot, but also yeah. I think the Doctor, at least this one, just, like, doesn't care. It's just, like, going along yeah. with the moment. Yeah, what was it you came up with, Avery? Big Dick Nine? Yeah, Big Nine. <laughs> yeah. Let's get a trending um, on Twitter, folks. <laughs> Nine so... got them inches. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, um, weird theory. So yeah. The <laughs> for Go on. For male doctors, the length of their penis correlates with which doctor they are, like which number. So nine <laughs> logically. Is <laughs> but, but is he nine or is he ten though? Oh whoa. Technically. Or, alternately, is he 11 because of the last episode? Oh, no. Oh, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is, this is why I put a spoiler warning at the top of every episode. <laughs> the doctors have BDE. That's all we'll say yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so, I love how Van Staten is just so unimaginative that the word he fucking comes up to call this thing is fucking Metaltron. Okay, but that's just how people name things, let's be real. Yeah, no, I, well, the, I, I think it's, like, the Tron thing. Like, it's a very cliche thing, which makes sense, because he's kind of, like, this crazy... nerd, yeah. Yeah, this crazy alien nerd person. Um, and, okay, there's a, there's a really good... Th- th- this is, like, the start of, like, what elevates this episode so much is this scene when... He goes into the cage and the door shuts behind them and the lights are off and you can't see what it is. And he starts talking to it and he says that he's the doctor. And for the first time you hear uh, Nicholas Briggs, which this is his first uh, TV episode as voice of the Daleks, just say the name doctor and you can immediately see him flip the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great moment. Definitely. Tension is properly built. Yeah, like, I think part part of, like, I, I mentioned this, is that it's this episode kind of has a dynamic with the other Dalek episodes, where this episode is alien, and the other Dalek episodes are aliens, where it's like, you know, an alien one xenomorph is absolutely fucking terrifying, but an alien's, like, a hundred of them just get, like, blo- like, shot at, like, just get unloaded into with pulse rifles and it's not as scary because aliens is more of an action movie and not a horror movie and this this one definitely plays up the horror more it plays up like how dangerous and how despicable this is it plays up that they just had this war that raged throughout all of time and space that destroyed countless species and something that the Doctor is still too close to and still shell-shocked from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely get the impression that they're, like, an unstoppable force that just, one, yeah. can completely F up your day or F up your planet, government, whatever you need it to do. Yeah, and it's it's really funny, too, because... So I, when I watched this episode, I watched this episode yesterday, and I got about 30 minutes in, and then I stopped to go watch um, The Witches, uh, sorry, The Magician's Apprentice and The Witches Familiar with my friend Tyler, and it's so funny watching like half an hour of 
this, then watching both of those, then coming back and watching the rest of it, because it's, like, the complete opposite. Like, Missy fucking pokes a Dalek to death. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they are, like, not even remotely threatening in that episode. Whereas this, like, they're still kind of, it's still kind of threatening in this episode, even with the knowledge of, like, all the other episodes where they're nowhere near as creepy. Um... But yeah, there's it, this scene is like, I I personally think this episode is Eccleston's best episode out of his entire series because the way that he plays off this is great. Like within thirty seconds after realizing that the Daleks trapped and has no power, has no energy, he's switch from terror to like absolutely terrifying rage. Yeah, I just. I honestly, I mean, I can't remember all the episodes, obviously, and we're we're still going through them, but this is definitely, from my memory, just the best. Like, his, the way he conveys his character in the episode is so good. Yeah. Just, it really sells this being a more conflicted Doctor than some mm-hmm. of the later ones, and a, a much more tainted one. Yeah. Just the way he plays off the Dalek, the way he responds to it, and the way yeah. the Dalek talks to him. Yeah, and the fact that, like, he's trying to be a good person, he's trying to be the Doctor, but his time as the War, and his time especially as the War Doctor, is still wearing on him because he doesn't hesitate to kill the Dalek, knowing that, believing that it's the last one, so he is absolutely willing to commit genocide on the Daleks. Which is, it, it's, it's, it forms this narrative arc, too, because... Going all the way back to classic, like, the most famous Dalek episode is a Fourth Doctor episode, which is the first one with Davros in it that first, like, kind of goes more in-depth to the origins of the Daleks, where Four struggles with the fact that he has the chance to wipe them all out before they get started, and can't. He can't do it. He cannot commit genocide. Yeah, it's very... I think a lot of the doctors are like the reason that an actor is cast is because they can they can have like that wide range of like fear and joy and terror and rage but nine hits a really interesting balance in that he's you know 10 is often credited as the human doctor but nine feels really human too in his reactions yeah. especially to what has damaged yeah. him so Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that he can like switch on a dime and that, you know, fast forwarding a bit when we get to the end where he basically has the chance to wipe out the Daleks forever, um, or at least he thinks so, but also like kill off like pretty much like a planet full of humans, then he's he hesitates again and he says, you know, I'm not a he says like I'm a coward any day. And it's believable with him and what he's gone through. And I think that like starts here. Yeah, that's 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 a thing of character development of how his time with Rose especially changes him. Like it's it's worth saying that I think they're both human doctors and there's there's differences in how Nine is he's friendly but he's guarded whereas and and mood swings a lot more frequently whereas 10 is a lot less guarded but once he loses rose he develops this streak where he will if not strike first strike hard enough that as like a retaliation is like you can't get to me like like how he how he punishes the family of blood I don't think Nine would have done that. Nine would have just killed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, there's this scene with Rose and Adam. And do, do, should, do we even... Does Adam even really need to be talked about? Adam was created for one purpose. R- Russell T. Davies wanted to create a character who was a companion who didn't work out. He doesn't do anything really in this episode. He doesn't do anything really in yeah, the next honestly, episode. He's just there. This was my <laughs> one complaint with the episode was just Adam is just 
why. Yeah, because they, they, the, they had the one to set scene them up. They have, the one scene they have together, they're just like awkward romance. Just like, bro, stop. Just, bro. Yeah. It's I not mean, funny, he, bro. Just stop. He has, to, he has to endear himself to Rose because that's the only way he's getting on the ship. Or at least yeah. the simplest, least convoluted reason. So I get it. But yeah, he's definitely here more as like window dressing and as like a seed that's like going to actually develop into something in the next episode. Um, which, as opposed to introducing him out of nowhere in the next episode, I suppose is better. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, and there's there's so sort of how this moves on to the next the next piece is Rose finds out that the Dalek is being tortured and demands to see it. And when I was younger, I used to think that she was being really stupid in this episode, and then I realized that she's just being a compassionate human being since she literally has no idea what the thing is. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's... So yeah, it's 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 so yeah, the this this episode is kind of it's it's the start of like the Daleks always come back in in some form even if they were straight up destroyed. So this one is the first one and this one's relatively low key and makes sense of like this one fell out of the time war and just kind of lay dormant for 50 years, which that that does make sense like but it's oh, yeah, like totally. when you start getting like entire armadas and stuff, it's like, okay, this is getting a little weird. Um, and then Van Staten finds out, figures out that the doctor is an alien. And to quote the transcript here, so the doctor is stripped and chained spread eagled. <laughs> Ooh, woo. Honestly. This scene, and this is because of uh, some behind-the-scenes knowledge that I, I learned, um, this scene makes me, like, more uncomfortable now than it used to. Oh no, because... was, I, was I spot on with my uh, sexual tension assessment? <laughs> no, that's actually not, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It has to do with, I believe, Christopher Eccleston, um... I believe wrote like a memoir or something a couple years ago, but he talked about he's had struggles with anorexia for a long time. And I believe one of those times when it was really bad was when he was filming Dr. Who. Ooh. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a really uncomfortable scene to watch knowing that. Oh yeah. That, that makes, that makes sense on, on top yeah. of the torture. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind. Of, that's pretty bleak. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah. There's there's this uh, effectively torture scene with with nine, and Van Staten, you know, is trying to figure out like what he is. And there's there's this really good line where he's like, so that's your secret. You don't collect this stuff. You just scavenge it. And Van Staten responds with, well, it fell out of the sky and look at all this cool stuff. But there's a really telling line where he's like, we found the cure for the common cold, but we kept it secret because why sell one cure when I can sell a thousand different uh, other medicines? Which yeah. is like, oof. Capitalism. <laughs> Van Staten's one of those guys who'll be like, "Look, I d d d donated four hundred and fifty million to charity, and in, in actuality, that's like point zero 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 sixty nine sixty nine percent of his total income." It's like the equivalent of giving you know three cents for the average person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh um, God. Oh, also the uh, the other line that I liked in this uh, scene. Two hearts, you know, binary vascular system. Oh, I'm so going to patent this. Yeah. Just the most yeah, cynical thing possible. It, it, the vibe I kind of got from it was like when you know tech bros, go, you know, steal some indigenous idea and then patent it and then like charge indigenous people to use their own things. Yeah, that's the vibe I got from it. <laughs> I was just, just like he's that kind of person. 
I was so confused because I was just like, how are, like, what are you going to do with a binary vascular system? Are you creating androids that have that model? Clones? Like, what, what does that mean? How yeah. Patent biology. Also, is, yeah. this, is this the first mention of Two Hearts, or was that a Classic Who thing? No, Two Hearts was in Classic Who, I believe. Like, that, that, was, that was an older, older thing. That was one of the things they had going for a while back. Interesting, interesting. Generally, most of the stuff with the Time Lords draws from, like, Classic Who, and especially, like, 4-era Who, and then, like, the Time War is specifically an RTD thing. Makes um, sense. So, Adam and Rose go down to the cage, and Rose is talking, and it's, it's weird... Like, in some ways you think that it's like, oh, it's manipulating, the Dalek is manipulating Rose. But the end of the episode, I feel like, kind of puts that into doubt. Um, and there's, there's I, I will actually get into later how, in some ways, actually watching Magician's Apprentice and Witches Familiar, like, enhances the resolution of this episode in some way. But... Rose touches the Dalek, and because she is a time traveler, somehow that infuses it with enough energy that it regains its powers and breaks out of the chains and starts wreaking havoc. space energy. Yeah. I think... No, that's called Artron energy, I believe. Sorry, yes. I'm doing so, it again. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, Timey-wimey <laughs> space energy, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> I think, at first I thought this was like a plot hole or convenience thing but it actually does kind of make sense in a way if you consider that the daleks and the time lords would be at war so it would make sense that daleks would use that type of energy to their advantage <clears throat> to keep on fighting yeah yeah um so also, i this think is... the that's are shown to have time travel like later on yeah yeah no they develop their own it's just like rudimentary and not as quote elegant as the time lords in the same way that, like, the Doctor derides Vortex manipulators and such. Um, so... Uh, yeah, this starts a long sequence of this episode just being like, Alright, you know all these things about the Dalek that you used to laugh at? There, it's fucking terrifying now of, like, the plunger which, like, suffocates a man to death slash crushes Excuse me. his skull. He doesn't... He gets sucked to death. The doll, like, gave him the face suck. I'm putting an effect on that. Um, <laughs> but, no, and it, it also, like, crushes his skull. <laughs> like, you can hear, like, a bone breaking. Um... And that, that's, like, one of those things of, like, like, especially, like, before this episode and especially, like, after, like, a specific, like, portion in the 80s who, like, once, in classic who, like, once you got to the 80s, effectively, like, it was really hard to take the Daleks seriously. Like, yeah. they were just like, ha, it's the, the shouty, funny robots that get defeated in embarrassing ways. Now... I will say, despite that, Ace beating up a Dalek with a baseball bat is still badass as fuck, but <laughs> this episode is essentially buffing the Daleks after they got severely nerfed throughout the run of Classic Who, um, where they're explicitly to shown to be immune to bullets and have force fields and... Although, as I said, the levitation was first in a Seven episode. Nobody fucking watched Seven-era Doctor Who. So they repeat that again here, where it floats up the stairs and it's clearly like an oh shit moment. Yeah, I remember... Um, I also... I said, yeah. Yeah, you go first, you go first. <laughs> um, I mentioned how I like wa started watching Doctor Who out of order. Um, and that's... My parents started doing that with me as well. So my my dad especially didn't have like that high of an opinion of the Daleks. So when we watched this and it started floating up, he's just like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad, my dad, I, my, I have this, this quote from my dad who, of course, lived in Britain and watched the show during the 70s. Um, 
and he said that he was always, when he was a kid, he was always more scared of the Cybermen than the Daleks because the Cybermen could climb stairs. <laughs> okay, but honestly, I'm still more scared of the Cybermen. I, feel, I think they're way more imposing. Yeah, no, th th that's definitely true. It's just, th that's also a new Who thing. Like, the Cybermen in Classic are uh, not great. <laughs> At least not, in, also not in, like, the 70s and 80s, but yeah. Um... So, yeah, and this this also, like, when when I was a kid, this is such, like, an inventive, like, like, we never talked about this, but, like, the way that the Daleks kill people, it was originally supposed to be, like, a low-budget alternative to, like, a disintegrator way, but it's a really good effect, like, doing that, that x-ray photo-negative look. Like... It's even, like, it's still kind of preserved in Classic Who, where, like, in most Classic Who episodes, they wouldn't do the skeleton thing, they just photo-negative the entire image. But it's still, like, a lot more effective than, like, some of the other laser effects they had. And the skeleton thing always spooked me out when I was younger. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good effect. Um, and the way they utilize it makes it not... I mean, I mean, this series of Doctor Who is, like, up on the cheese, but surprisingly in this episode, it's way less absent. Like, Van Staten is probably the most camp thing we get, which is a little yeah. weird given what other purpose he serves in the episode, but, like, everything else is pretty straight. I mean, I think, like, Van Staten, like, is still on a level that's, like, consistent with, like, the other, like, less camp seasons. Like, he's less camp than whatever the, like... Trump parody from that 113 episode was like. Ew. Arachnids in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's less camp than that character. Like, he's actually, like, this episode tonally is, like, a complete 180 from the last one, which was all Slitheen, because this one is, like, deadly serious. Like, it's possibly, looking, like, looking through my episode guide here... It is probably the most serious in the season, except for maybe, like, Father's Day. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. And again, like, uh, I don't... Go ahead. Going back to, like... Yeah, going back to what I was going to say about the, uh, the stair scene, is I just love the, uh, elevate, <laughs> elevate, elevate. Yeah, no, they did that. That is literally... In the the ep the seven episode where they introduce that that's the big episode one cliffhanger is like seven runs up a stairs and is like ha ha and then it does the whole elevate thing and starts lifting up and you can just see the oh shit on Sylvester McCoy's face. <laughs> I mean, well, I was more just joking about how it's a play on the exterminate, but I, I just yeah. love imagining that because like you know after fighting them for hundreds of years, this is the first time he thought to run upstairs. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I believe they do it other times. It's just, yeah. It's part of the reboot slash reimagining syndrome. Everything that's old is new again. Yeah. Honestly, it's a shame no one watched that episode, though, because, like, that's a really fucking good episode. Like, unironically deadass, like, y'all. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um... So there's this, the, and again, this is one of the things where, like, you know, you get kind of more Manic 9 and Shellshock 9, but this is, like, deadly laser-focused 9, where he's just like, where's the nearest town? So, like, city, population, one million. is like, they will all die if the Dalek gets out. It will kill everything. Bitches <laughs> um, be dead. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, too, how, like... This is actually another thing that I noticed is a lot of, like, the good or at least, like, the well-known classic Who Dalek episodes tie more into the fact that the Daleks were explicitly created by Terry Nation to be an allegory for the Nazis. So, Which like, makes the, uh, the Eleven episode with Winston Churchill more ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Like, the, 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 the acclaimed Genesis of the Daleks, which is the first one with Davros, has still, like, humanoid 
what would eventually come the Daleks and still in like humanoid form and they are straight up like black clothing one of the characters even wears like an iron cross for like three episodes until they were like wait a second that's a little bit too on the nose please take that off <laughs> <laughs> like they actually made the actor take it off because they're like this is too obvious um and then in the seven episode that i'm mentioning it's set in the 60s and there's some very pointed commentary also ace punches a fascist in the face which is pretty yes. legit um it's yeah but yeah they don't do that as much with any of the modern who like one, one could argue that there's still some commentary here with van staten but the daleks here aren't commentary like generally they're just kind of the evil want to kill everything aliens and there's less talking about how there's there's obvious parallels to fascism like that's not brought up like i think anywhere like maybe in daleks in manhattan i haven't seen that one in a while but i don't think they really mention it anywhere else yeah davros is the main ideological mouthpiece and i and i i do believe the the uh, cult of scaro kind of does that too in the yeah in the manhattan uh like 19 early yeah, 1900s yeah. episode but uh yeah and i think that's all important of course of course it's important to have like allegory and meaning behind the story but yeah i think for this episode it's enough to just reintroduce the daleks as yeah a unstoppable force yeah, I, I, I agree yeah. that. I agree with that. And I think this probably does the most where where the doctor says it's the ultimate in racial cleansing and you let it out. Like, there there is a little bit of that there. It's just, like, not as strong, but yeah. Um, okay, this is otherwise, like, a really great episode, but the fucking, the static electricity effect where the, the Dalek turns, so there, there's this, like, huge, like, loading bay, and, like, 20 soldiers and, like, scientists with pistols are, like, plinking away at it, and the Dalek fucking turns the sprinklers on, and then uses the wet, like, the wetness to, like, conduct... The wetness. <laughs> to conduct <laughs> the electricity of its blast to, like, electrocute everyone, and it's just, like... The effect is, like, literally... That is a, like, classic tier effect of a lightning bolt. Like, literally, that is... Wait, you not... skipped over the part before that where it's uh, breaking out and it absorbs the internet. Oh yeah, that that's and 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 drains the entire power of the West Coast. Like it yeah, blacks yeah. out the entirety it says, of the West you know, Coast. We're losing power. It's draining the base. Oh my God! It's draining the entire power supply of Utah. Uh, <laughs> it's downloading, and then it's uh, you know the West Coast has gone down, and then it's just like the Dalek absorbed the internet. It knows everything. <laughs> And of course, this came out in 2012, so it also got at least no, it, some it of those. Out, it, no, well, the episode. Sorry, yeah, the, the episode, episode came out in 2005, but it's set in 2012, yeah. which means that the Dalek got at least some of those stanky like 2008 to 2011 internet memes, like the old ones, like fucking Chocolate Rain. <laughs> this also means that it got all of the porn. That is true. Yes. <laughs> like, all of it. <laughs> the gross shit, too. <laughs> yeah, I find um, it, it's not a point that's brought up often that, like, Daleks are, like, basically all of them are super geniuses. And I yeah. don't know if it's, like, the armor they wear or if the species is naturally that smart but it is it was they were they were engineered by davros to do that i believe yeah okay so basically like you know it's i think it's often forgotten in like um more recent doctor who episodes maybe resolution kind of contradicts this but that the only reason they're terrifying is because they're really good at killing you and really hard to kill um and they don't lean into as much that they're also like really smart um so yeah that's that's a nice touch yeah um so yeah there's there's this 
this scene that like it's it's simultaneously a good character moment for nine and one of i think this might be either this or the scene earlier in the cage is probably echoes this sorry spanish inquisition moment here but uh this scene the scene in the cage and then the scene at the end where the doctor has the gun i think together are eccleston's best scenes on the show and this is this is actually a callback to that seven episode because in that episode at the very end after uh seven destroys scarrow he comes across a one like a lone dalek left who he coldly like convinces it to kill itself and it is like low-key terrifying and the dot like nine does it here but he does it much more emotionally and with much more obvious rage like he's literally foaming at the mouth you can see it and the dalek says you would make a good dalek and just moves on yes yeah Sorry, it's just yeah. lot, lot, lot of thoughts. It's yeah, I don't yeah. think. I don't really yeah. have much to add to that. I think you covered it. Yeah, no, this is just like like part of this has been my my nerd moment of just since I've been watching like more classic Who and like paying attention to it more than I ever had before. Like it's it's starting to notice that there is like very noticeable like callbacks and things in these episodes. Um, but yeah. That's good. Um, uh, so they they decide to seal the vault to trap the Dalek in, but Rose and Adam aren't out yet, so there's this very tense scene where they're all trying to get out, and Adam manages to get out, but Rose doesn't. And, you know, like, you know... You know Rose isn't going to die, but they do actually, like, linger on it, like, a surprising amount of time. Yeah. Uh, I would just like to say that the scene of her running down the hall bothered me a lot. As a lifelong, now-retired runner, I can tell you that is not the stride of someone who is running for their life. That is the stride <laughs> of a pampered girl told to look like she is running. Okay? That is not a sprint for your life. That is the PE coach told you you have to finish this lap to get an A in the class running. Okay? That is not running for your life. That is the Macy's is having a sale and you want to get there before Becky so you can get the handbag running. That is not running for your goddamn life, you bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's this this great line of uh, you just want to drag the stars down and stick them underground underneath tons of sand and dirt and label them. Yeah. Again, that, yeah. that sort of goes back to what I said earlier about how he sort of represents that rich tech bro colonist uh, mindset. I mean, like it's, like, it's it's weird, too, because, like, it's not even, like, it, it's tech bro, but it's, like, Elon Musk is out here with fucking SpaceX. Van Staten, from what we understand, is not doing shit. Like, he's not doing his own space program. He's content with just picking at whatever crash lands yeah so but like like i was saying it's sort of it, just the vibe it gave me was just like you know one with the oh i'm gonna steal this other thing that exists naturally and call it my own sort of going back to stealing just like other people's traditions and patenting them what as tech bros do and then now just like oh yeah let me just take other people's shit and just like put it where no one can see it so i can obsess over it you know british royal museum style yeah on a side note, I am absolutely horrified at the fact that Elon Musk dropped a fucking EDM track today. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, my one of my roommates like unironically loves Elon Musk, and oh, I'm like, God. you're you're, oh. a, you're a leftist. How do you? How is this your blind spot? For <laughs> <laughs> a moment. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, 
So, uh, the Dalek is unable to kill Rose for reasons it can't figure out, and it convinces the Doctor to open the bulkhead by using her as hostage. Um, and the Doctor decides to head it off by taking one of the alien guns, and there's this great scene where they're just going through this junk, and he's like, broken, broken, that's a hairdryer. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, that's, that's like a Men in Black moment. Um. <laughs> also, the fact that he goes for a gun is sort of a yeah. That's that's yeah. That's definitely a nine thing. And it's like it's one of those things where it's like it makes sense in hindsight when Stephen Moffat was like, "I wanted to get Christopher Eccleston back for the fiftieth, but I couldn't, so I came up with the War Doctor instead." In that, it's like it's equally like plausible and not plausible that nine could have done it. It definitely wasn't plausible that eight could have done it. Yeah. Even with the amount of like horrible, horrible, mind-breaking shit torture they put eight through in Big Finish. Um. So. Then there's this this final final scene, with the Doctor and the Dalek, where he's he's pointing a gun at it, and the Dalek has opened blasted a hole in the ceiling and the sunlight has come in and it's opened its casing to feel the sun. And there's this great scene where the doctor is just so like, like I, I never really noticed this before, but he's, he's so traumatized and so still too close to the war, still burnt by it that, he he says that he he's got nothing left. He has to do this. It's it's all he's all he has. But Rose is like, no, it's it's changing. Which, again, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with Rose in this episode. But I also understand that Rose has had no prior experience with the Daleks. Yeah. Um. Also. As I said, watching The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's Familiar, um, in retrospect, actually makes some of this like more plausible and make a bit more sense. Because in that episode, it's it's basically inferred that the Doctor saving child Davros made him teach the Daleks the concept of mercy and have them retain the concept of mercy. So that, that, that makes a little bit more sense, and then when you throw that into having been thrown about through the time vortex and having partially melded with Rose's genetics. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. Plus, the, like, the only other Dalek-human hybrid in the new series also develops more human tendencies. Um... So, uh, the Dalek asks Rose to order it to die by turning on its self-destruct sequence, which Rose does, and it destroys itself. And Van Staten is grabbed by his assistant and told that he will be mind-wiped and stripped of his memory, just like the person that he fired at the beginning of the episode with, uh, uh, narrative parallels. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Catharsis. <laughs> yeah. Of course, now, the, the one question is, is, what the fuck is his assistant going to, like, is she just gonna do, like, the same tech bro shit, or is she actually going to be, like, a good person? <laughs> my main, my money's more on the former, because she was already, like, personal assistant to this shitty, shitty person. But maybe that's just me being cynical. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's just a way to like wrap that up and be like, yeah, this, yeah. this guy isn't coming back. Which, it's lazy, but yeah, doesn't stop the doctor from being screwed over in Utah, though. So yeah. <laughs> oh, also go back to what we said the first episode about how like, uh, in every in every new iteration, there's like a new sort of tech company that's in it this is like the first uh this is the the first guy we see go yeah and it's just it's a thing that keeps happening and i i, I all, kind the, of like, all the way to vor 
Yeah, I kind of... <laughs> Honestly, I really like your theory that just, like, the slight fluctuations in the the human timeline, the one major thing it does is just, like, repeatedly change what the search engine in that timeline is. And yeah. Which, which tech bro is the one that made it. <laughs> which means, theoretically, this whole episode could have been erased by just some other random event later. Yeah. Well... No. There's no canon in Doctor Who. Yeah, there's there's no canon. There we is, we have we isn't. have been over this. <laughs> there is there is no canon. You're not Bef- a canon. Exactly. The the very end of this episode, um, Rose and the Doctor are talking, and Adam's like, "Guys, we have to go." And Rose like is like, "Please, can we keep him?" And the Doctor's like, "Okay, fine." And Adam's like, "What the fuck are y'all doing?" And he goes into the TARDIS, and it uh, cuts to credits. Honestly, that's kind of fucked up, especially with how, like, mad she was that she got coerced into some stuff, and she just sort of does the thing, the same thing, but even worse, she, like, doesn't even tell him what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Rose? You, you got, like, so mad about this. Like, justifiably, you got really mad about this. And now that you're, like, on the inside, you're like, yeah, let's just do it to this other fucker. Yeah, like, I think... I think while the idea that led to Adam was somewhat of an interesting idea, I think, I I mean I don't remember the long game that well, and but I don't remember them like doing it in a very interesting way. I think Adam does not have enough screen time and is just not an interesting enough character to really sell this idea of like the companion that didn't work out. I think if you're gonna do that, it should be like. If not like a full season, like half a season, like more than two episodes, yeah, for them like to a... to spend enough time and get developed, and then have them do something that's like you've gone too far. I can't let you stay. Yeah, if if it if it was like a Jack thing where it was like a couple of adventures that turned out okay, but then like this happened, um, which would maybe impact how Jack is seen by Nine and Rose, but it would have. Yeah. I don't know. That could have been an interesting dynamic where he has to prove himself a bit more. But yeah, it's it is what it is. He's he's an eh part of both episodes that he's in. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't seen the long game in a while, but I know a, pe- a lot of people tend to dunk on it, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um anyway, so yeah. Um I guess if we're we're done with the episode so unless anyone else has like one last thing to say before we go into ratings let me let me hmm i'm good hmm hmm <laughs> i'm, I'm trying i'm i'm brainstorming Yep, no, I got nothing. Let's get right into it. (laughs) Alright, so, you know, last week I made the hypothesis of I think this is the best new series Dalek episode. Unless I get disproven by a story later, and I don't think I'm going to, I am standing by that sentiment. This episode is thematically brilliant, still kind of terrifying. Um... It's Eccleston's best episode, hand down, has both starts and resolves arcs, calls back to classics subtly in a way that's interesting, um, and even, like, the, the bum parts of the episode, like some slightly dodgy special effects and Adam's presence aren't enough to detract aren't enough to detract from me giving this episode my first 10 out of 10 on this podcast i think it you know some people will be like well why would you give it a 10 if it's not perfect i think the good outweighs the bad so much that i can still consider it basically perfect yeah i mean that that's basically my whole thing too watching it just like 
in terms of direction, it was just so solid. In terms of Eccleston's acting, it was just amazing. The interplay between Eccleston and the Dalek, the themes that play out between them, the dialogue that plays out between them, the dialogue that plays out between the Doctor and, you know, the billionaire dude, I already forgot his name. <laughs> uh, the dialogue that plays out between Rose and the Dalek, just everything that happens in this episode, besides Adam, feels like very just important. It feels like it needs to be there, and it feels like every interaction in it was meaningful, besides Adam. <laughs> and just the lines in it, the writing, everything about it was just so solid that, you know, despite this little side dud thing, I don't really care about that, and it's just, it's a 10 out of 10 episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with everything being said. Um, to me, there is no such thing as, like, perfect media. There's always going to be flaws in a work of fiction or whatever, but what makes something, quote-unquote, um, perfect or a 10 out of 10 for me, A+, plus, whatever you want to call it, is that there's so much good that the bad... And there's so little bad that nothing, that no impact is lessened by the presence of those bad things. And even Adam is like less of a bad than more of a neutral or not as good. And even the actor, like that for as small a part as that character is, they could have gotten worse actors for him. So it's just like, yeah, hey. No, he, he could have been a lot more annoying considering like someone who is sort of similar to him and like not not being a bad companion but being kind of like a somewhat arrogant young like tech whiz nerd character was adric who was pretty universally reviled exactly so yeah and remains like one of two classic series character companions to who were just killed off yeah yeah i remember that so um yeah, 10 out of 10 for me, A+, plus, whatever. Everything is just working except for Adam at, like, full cylinders. The acting, the direction, uh, the effects. Of course, they're dated, but they're, you know, the way they're used and the emotional impact and the Dalek itself, the voice of the Dalek. Everything is just like a perfect, um, like, ice cream sundae, and Adam is the, like, eh, cherry on top. That like doesn't ruin it's, the Sunday. It's, it's the shitty processed maraschino cherry that you like. You look at dubiously before you actually eat it, and you regret. Fuck you! I it love the maraschino have... cherries. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's no, my this, thing. <laughs> this episode honestly makes me kind of sad that like Robert Shearman has not done any other new series episodes. This is this is his only TV writing credit. I might have to look into some of the stuff that he's done for uh, Big Finish at some point, because this episode was really, really tight. Um, and I imagine, I don't know exactly where it's going to land on, like, like I feel like once we d go finish, like, an era of the show, like, like the RTD era or something, like, we kind of rank episodes, and I don't know... It wouldn't be number one because my heart already belongs to another episode that we will get to later, but it would probably be top five, possibly even top three. For the season? No, for like the RTD era or like the show at large. Mm, I can see that. <laughs> we'll see. As, as I, I said, see, I... I can see top ten. Yeah, I haven't. I don't I haven't... know if I would say top five, especially just yeah. because I'm, I'm a big fangirl for you know Smith. I'm a big fangirl for Moffat era. Yeah, that that's fair. I I mainly prefer like Capaldi Moffat compared to Smith Moffat, but I I can see where you're coming from. But yeah, um, so next week we will be discussing the long game. Uh, set on Satellite 5. Um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some based commentary on the news there that I uh, completely missed when I was younger. Um, and also uh, a guest star in Simon Pegg of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and The World at World's End and uh, the Star Trek movie uh, series fame. 
who is a uh, fan of the show. Um, so yeah, uh, we will see you next week with the long game. Um, uh, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. We are at B Two Tardis Pod. Um, I'm Jeff. My Twitter is at WheatleyDL. I'm Skylar. My Twitter is at, um, you can follow me, words, at skyhigh9 underscore 5. Uh, I am at biggavery on twitter.com, and I tweet bad things. <laughs> did, did, did you have a cursed tweet for this week's recording? Uh, I did not. I can make one. Actually, oh dear. no, I don't want to because the only thing I could make it of was the scene with the doctor tied up. And now that I know the context of that, I would feel really... I cool. thought you were going to make a joke about, like, Nine's penis size, but okay. I could do... Yeah, that's not up to your not usual standards. That, should, that would your... just be a horny tweet, not a cursed tweet. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, uh, we will see you all next week.